Gracias. Hello. And I've got a, I've got a beautiful, take your seats, I've a beautiful co-host here this morning. I feel like a 70s game show kind of guy, you know, like, ladies and gentlemen, my lovely co-host. I'm biased though, so it's all good. Uh, welcome this morning. How are you guys doing? Great. Kind of feels Very a bit well. like your lounge room, really. Was that kind of the intention? Everyone feel at home? Good. Everyone's feeling good? I, I think my chair's probably comfier than theirs. A little bit. <laughs> you guys got the couch, though. Uh, so, we obviously put together a few questions to... Uh, talk about relationships, to be pretty open and, and very honest. So um, we're just going to jump right in. You guys ready? Yeah, let's do it. Let's cool. Let's do it. Uh, firstly, we've been talking a lot about relationships specifically, so dating, marriage, uh, sex, kids, the whole lot. Uh, when we talk about relationships generally, uh, what do you guys think are the fundamental keys to building healthy relationships? Me to go first. Oh, I've said enough this morning. <laughs> um, look, I think probably the most important thing in relationships, and whether it's even in work relationships with colleagues, um, friendships, probably something that we could all focus on and do a lot better with is a culture of honour. Um, you know, scripture tells us to love one another the way that we love ourselves. Scripture tells us over and over to um, prefer one another before ourselves. And we live in a culture that flips that around and says, you know, just only care about yourself and look after yourself. And it gets us into a mess, doesn't it? You just need to have a look out there and, and looking after yourself and preferring yourself gets the world into such a mess. Um, and so I think probably one of the most important and foundational things that we should focus on is a culture of honour. So in our marriages, honouring each other, um, I think it would just be so powerful if husbands and wives reciprocated that to one another, a culture of honour where the wife honours the husband and the husband honours the wife. With our children, you know, to honour your children as individuals and as gifts and, and, you know, a creation made in the very image of God and and trying to um, harness their individuality and, and what God's placed on them and to nourish that and cultivate that and bring that out in them, bringing culture to your child and then, you know, children honouring their parents. That's the one, um, the, very first, uh, ten of the very first commandment in the Ten Commandments that God gives that has a promise attached to it. Yeah. All the others are just commandments. This is the first one that says, hey, honour your father and mother that your days may be extended and that your descendants will flourish. It's the first commandment that has a promise attached to it. And how much better would the earth look if kids actually honoured their parents? Yeah, yeah. Like we live in a culture where parent kids are taking their parents to court and suing them and doing all sorts of things and, and parents um, are being dishonoured. And, you know, then we have honour even in the workplace. You know, that, that culture of, oh, well, I'll honour my boss when he's honourable. Well, that's not scriptural because honour is given and God works through a culture of honour. Um, the Holy Spirit flows through a culture of honour. There's grace that comes when we understand honour. And, you know, honour in our relationships, when we're careful about how we 
speak about our friends and and what kind of language we engage in. I just think if honour was at the forefront of our minds when we interact with anybody, our relationships would be a whole lot healthier. And, And I think the church would just shine so brightly in every sphere, not just marriages, but I mean in the workplace, you know, the Christian workers who are honouring their colleagues and their bosses would stand out like literally would stand out and change the atmosphere of their workplace. So for me, I think honour is one of the key building blocks to healthy relationships. I believe the same. (laughs) Good answer. You got that off me this morning. You got that off me this morning. (laughs) As we were talking. We actually didn't discuss any of this. No. We don't discuss much at home. (laughs) We got, no. them, we got them booked in for a meeting, don't worry. Yeah, yeah. We've got a counselling session after. She goes, be nice, please. Yeah. I'm always nice. He says, are you ready? And I'm like, yes. Are you going to be nice? So, no, I, I, I believe, well, the fundamentals are, is that, um, and if we look at it in the context of marriage, is that a lot of things or a lot of the world is looking at us as families. And if our marriage can represent Christ... And, and it talks about, you know, in Ephesians, it talks about the whole thing about, um, you know, husbands and wives and how we should have that relationship and how Christ has a relationship with the church. And if we can demonstrate that, and, and all that relationship is about honour, but then what takes place is we come into our worldly concept or our natural concept and we automatically go into a worldly mindset. And when it comes to marriage, what we've watered it down to is being a contract instead of a covenant. And so if we take those views into marriage, we're actually stepping into marriage and what the world sees as totally warped from a Christian perspective. If you look at, at marriage, is marriage is between a man and a woman and God. Do you realise that? It's not a man and a woman and the mother-in-law or a man and a woman and whoever else. Amen. I, I agree. I, you know, I had to ask the mother-in-law to... St- no, I didn't. <laughs> but... But those things, is, and sort of like we take it in, but we've got to look at it as a covenant before God. And a covenant is something that is eternal. And, and so when we look at this, is that there is a difference. It's, it's like, you know, a, a, say a contract is, is that I'll take. What am I going to take out of this? You know, a, a covenant is basically what am I going to give? How, how am I going to serve you? It's not, you know, you better do it. It's not when we get married, you better do this. This is what I want you to do. The fundamentals is, is how can I serve? How can I serve my wife? How can I serve my family? How can I serve my community? Uh, the other one is that, is that what do I get? But what, what do I give? What are you going to give? What, what are you bringing? And, and the other one is, you know, you've got to give 100% plus. This is what I see in a lot of relationships is that most of it is upon need is that people come into a relationship because they need something. Relationships should never be based out of need. Uh, they should be based out of what am I going to contribute? Mm. How are we moving this forward? That's good. Um, and then the, the last one is, is that not um, I have to, but I want to. Mm. Is that marriage becomes a choice. Is that we choose to be in this marriage. We choose to be in the relationships that we are in. And so for us, and we'll touch on that further, but really it comes down to a choice. What do you choose? The fundamental is what are you choosing this relationship to be? Whether it be your marriage, whether it be your relationship with your boss, with those around you, what, what, are, what are you choosing? What are you, how are you choosing that? Because we determine the relationships that we have. Yeah. 
and don't let relationships determine who you have. Yeah. Um, so that's probably one of my foundations, um, and especially honour is a huge thing, is if honour works in all those things, because you're honouring the individuals as well. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Very good. I think I need to keep choosing my wife, because if I tried again, I probably would never do any better. She's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> we are surprised. Awesome. Yeah, me too. All right, well, that's great foundations, great starting points. But, you know, we all have difficult relationships. You know, it could be in our marriage, it could be in our friendships. So when we do come across those difficult relationships, which we all will, regardless if we have great foundations or not, how do you navigate through those situations? I got this one. Okay, you go. I got this one. Well, <clears throat> you should never spend any more than 72 hours with in-laws. <laughs> It write is the golden down. rule. Like, write that one down and it no, will solve... No, we live by this. We live by this. Holidays, will, going will, away, 72 hours. It will solve every issue with family. Who knows, after 72 hours when you're around family, it just goes weird. Goes weird. Well, there are some people who have family visiting today and they're not putting their hands up at all. Um, but but it, it, let's, let's face it, let's be honest. Sometimes, you know, you have those family events. After 72 hours, it's like, it's awkward. Like right now. <laughs> No, just like, that guy that brought his mother-in-law. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's like that 72 hours, hour, like, like I said, it's, the Bible talks about um, when you get married, become one flesh. Again, it's not you inherit the mother-in-law in that. It's not that you have three or four I feel like, I feel like you've got a bit of an issue going on here. <laughs> no, he's just talking about men in general. We've all got issues yeah, with our mother-in-law. Right, he's thinking, he's thinking it's for a Dave. generalisation. He's speaking for Dave. I, I actually love my mother-in-law. No more than 72 hours. No, it's fine. <laughs> but, but no, we have a great relationship with our in-laws. We have a great relationship with family and friends. But what we've got to realise is that, you know, you become one flesh, you start your own life. And then you have to set your own standards as well. And so for us, it was like when we came together, it was like, okay, what don't we want? And I was like, well, I don't want such and such from my family. And Carolina was like, I want all of my family. And I'm like, no, we can't have all of your family. <laughs> but but we, we had to choose. And we're like, well, okay, where do we want to sit? How's our relate? What's God called us to do? Yeah. And, and so for us, it, our decisions came out of purpose. Yeah. Purpose and honouring God. So again, it comes back to honour. Okay, what has God called us to do in our relationship, in our family? And so we look at our whole family and even with our kids is what has God called our family to do? So for us, ministry isn't about Sam or about Carolina. We both have gifts and we both have the ability to minister, but then it's what has God called us to do as a family? And so that's how we live our life is that with our family, we do ministry, we do life, we move forward. Every decision is made through that lens. And so we look at it and we go, okay, God has called us to do this. We see the purpose in what God's called us to do. We honour God and we give glory to God in everything that we do. And anything that doesn't fit within that purpose, we're like, okay, that's probably not the right relationship to have. And then the other one is with, the, with in-laws and with family is they've had to look at how we do life and they're like, that's how you do life. That is why you're doing life. Then they accept how we do life. Does that make sense? Um, you'd probably explain it better. So difficult relationships. Um, I've had to learn over time 
to refuse to engage with dysfunction. So I'll just let that sink in. <laughs> because um, dysfunction is present in a lot of relationships that are around us. Um, again, not just in families, but all types of relationships. Um, and so those difficult, maybe um, tense moments that you have, you need to be able to step back emotionally from any dysfunction that's going on and refuse to engage with it. Because the moment you engage with it, you enable it and you perpetuate it and it just keeps going on and on and on. And so for me, this has been a process, Sam and I have been married almost 15 years and I've had to over 15 years, and I know for some of you that's not a very long time and I honour you, those that have been married for you know, 30, 40, 50 years. So I'm still a newbie at this, but 15 years I've had to train myself to resist the urge to engage with something that's dysfunctional because I've noticed that I, in wanting to reprogram myself um, coming out of a lot of dysfunction, um, I didn't want to perpetuate that. I didn't want that to carry on into my children. And, and by no means am I perfect or have I arrived. It's a journey that I'm on still. But there are moments where I literally have to arrest myself and zip my lips, refuse to respond to the text message, refuse to engage in the conversation that's going on and not even explain myself, but just stop and refuse to engage. Because dysfunction, I mean, what you feed grows. Yeah. What you starve dies. And so I've had to reprogram myself and in doing that, I'm reprogramming the people around me to know what they can and can't do or say with me. And so that's a process and it takes a long time and often less is more. So when you try to explain yourself, it's like throwing kerosene on the fire. Does, isn't that right? It's like you can't actually say anything right when it's a heated moment and no matter what, you know, how pure your intentions may be, it's not heard properly. And so I found it's better just to say nothing in those times and to just refuse and totally arrest myself so I'm not engaging until the situation calms down. And even then, you're not speaking into the situation, you're speaking at a higher level. Because often people respond emotionally and the anger or you know, the hysterics or whatever it might be is at this level, but there's an underlying issue. And what we can do is we engage at a surface level and just keep living there and nothing is ever resolved. So I've found that I have to just take a whole bunch of step back, steps back and refuse to engage. And I'm constantly reminded of what Jesus said to the woman who was caught in adultery and dragged before him. She was found in dysfunction. And she's brought before Jesus. And he basically says to her, I don't judge you. But he addresses her dysfunction. And he says, go and sin no more. I don't judge you. I love you. But there's a better way to live. Stop doing what you're doing. Cut it out. Get up and do it better next time. And so for myself, I, I guess I sense that, is that God's saying to me, it's the Holy Spirit saying to me, 
I don't judge you. I don't judge what you've come from. I don't judge maybe the way that you just reacted. But that was dysfunctional. Stop it. Don't do it again. Get up and do better next time. And in that, that's the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit speaks to us that way and says, that was wrong, but you can do better next time. And so I think it takes a whole lot of soul searching, a whole lot of just being honest with yourself and really knowing. And, you know, we, we excuse a lot by, oh, that's just my personality or that's just the way I've been brought up. Well, if you want to excuse yourself that way, you'll never have anything better than what you've already always had. Yeah. But you can, you can self-search. You can, with the Holy Spirit, be honest with yourself and grow in these areas. But, you know, the power of the Holy Spirit, he gives us wisdom when we ask for it. He gives us the right words when we ask him to. And so just stopping yourself going, I'm going to be better. I'm going to do better and I'm not going to perpetuate this dysfunction, whether it's at work, in my family, with my children, in my marriage, in my friendships, whatever it is, don't engage with it. Take the higher road. Ask the Holy Spirit to give you that wisdom. Um, so for me, with difficult relationships and tense moments and things that are just inappropriate, I actually refuse to engage at that level. It's good. Really good. Uh, in your experience, what's the number one stumbling block in relationships and what can we do to be proactive in avoiding it? And you can't say mother-in-laws. <laughs> wow. Well, um, there's a really awesome book um, called Emotional Intelligence um, written by Travis Tudbury, I think his name is. And emotional intelligence, it's EQ, our EQ, not our IQ. It's our emotional intelligence. And um, basically, we need to improve our EQ. So emotional intelligence is the way that you interact with people. <laughs> and actually, only the top 6% of leaders in the world train themselves and discipline themselves in their EQ. The other 94% of the population excuse themselves and say, well, I'm just this or I'm just that or it's just my upbringing. But the top 6% of people and leaders in the world that are making a difference are the ones that actually discipline themselves in their emotions. And so I think the number one stumbling block for relationships has got to be emotion. Um, in that we are... So there are, there are a whole bunch of things in that book and I'd recommend it to any of you. Um, but probably the things that I've remembered in my life is firstly self-awareness. When you're aware, not just like that I'm angry right now, but what was the trigger? What are my triggers? And again, this comes back to soul searching. At the end of every day, sit down and journal. Sit down and think about why was that meeting I had so awkward? Why did I fly off the handle? Why did I, you know cause a scene or why did I retreat and, and crawl back into my shell? You need to know what your triggers are. You need to be honest with yourself and that creates a type of emotional intelligence where we go to that first level of emotional intelligence where suddenly I'm self-aware. I know what triggers me and what sets me off in my marriage, in my workplace, all those sorts of things. The second thing then is self-management. And so a lot of people go, oh, well, that's just, you know, stuffing your emotions and saying, oh, I'm not going to 
have emotions when actually it's doing what the Holy Spirit says to do and to have wisdom in our responses. So you are self-aware, you know what the triggers are and then they're going to come. Just because you're aware of your triggers doesn't mean they're going to stop happening. You are still going to be triggered. So when you are triggered, self-management has a plan on what to do when that trigger happens. What am I going to do when that happens? And so suddenly you're able and you're equipping and empowering yourself to manage your emotions and moderate your emotions to decide what you're going to do when that trigger happens. And so self-management is really important. And then the next stage and the most important stage is social awareness. And this is something that most people never graduate into because it actually means you're thinking more about the other person than yourself. So can you imagine if you're completely self-unaware, like you have no idea what's going on. You just live in twilight zone. You're just completely reacting to everything all the time. So that's like the fundamental, the basic one is self-awareness. But when you're socially aware as well, it means you're aware of what's the other person feeling? What's the other person trying to communicate? And often we're really lousy at communicating verbally what we're trying to communicate. So social awareness means you're aware of a person's body language. You're aware of their facial expressions. You're aware of maybe what they're trying to communicate, but you're reading between the lines, and then you close that gap between, I'm aware of myself right now, I'm aware of the other person, and I'm gonna respond in a way that's mutually beneficial to both of us. We are, as Dave said so brilliantly this morning, in the ministry of reconciliation, which means, as a Christian, you don't have the luxury of having any enemies. You don't have that right. As a Christian, you are constantly trying to close this gap. You're constantly trying to be emotionally mature to be able to say to to the person you're interacting with, whoever it is, I'm aware of myself, I'm moderating my emotions, and I'm trying to be aware of you and your emotions. And you can't control what's going on here, but you can try to close that gap. And you can be mature enough and your EQ can be high enough that you try to close that gap. And that is what will set you apart from just about everybody else because no one's doing this. No one is doing this. No one is trying to be aware of self, let alone others. So if we can do that, oh my goodness, I just think the whole world will be turned upside down if more people sort of skilled themselves in their emotional intelligence. And that's the thing. We live in a day and age where do as you feel. (laughs) Whatever's relative to you, just do it. Who cares about everyone else? As long as you're feeling right about it, as long as it's satisfying you, just do it. Whereas if you look from a biblical point of view, it's actually always about those around you. It's about how can you serve those around you? How can you look after those around you? And and one of those things that we do need to address is our emotions. Because let's face it, our emotions will always lie to us. You know, when you propose to someone, it's, you know, the proposal shouldn't be, hey, listen, you do the proposal is, do you love me? It should never be that. But it should be more along the lines of, you know, um, where are we going? Because let, let's face it, love, 
Yeah, you, you, there are times where I, I really love my, lo- my wife. Life, wife. But there are other times where I'm like, I have to choose to love her. Even though you've seen her, she's so perfect right here, right now. But there are times where she has to choose to love me. Lies, all lies. It's so easy to love. I, I know. But anyway, we're just... Trying to make everyone feel better, you know? Like. But, but there comes a time, it, it comes down to choice. Is that it shouldn't be like, because there are sometimes, like, <laughs> I tell this story, it's, it's great because I love it when we were dating. I would always drop her off at 10 o'clock at night and nothing good ever happens after 10 o'clock, guys. We all know that. Amen. It's just where hands wander and all the rest, you know, nothing for all the young guys, the ones that are engaged, watching you too. But... But nothing good ever happens after. But I would always drop her off. But there Congratulations. was Congratulations. Yeah. Shakina and Brent got engaged this week. But I would drop her off. And I remember these times where, you know, I don't know whether we were blowing up. We were just having a disagreement. No, we were blowing up. I, I was the blow-up kind. Okay, we were definitely... Well, I was blowing up. I didn't want to paint you in that picture. I'll do it for you. Thanks. I'm it's being all right, nice. guys. Honesty. But my wife was being Polish. Yes. <laughs> European. It was just the way she, just the way she was brought up. It's, that's my excuse. Yeah. That's just the way. But we were dropping her off, and, and she was, and I, I was just like, you know, what, I got to go home. I, I got to get up at five in the morning. I got work, so I gave her a kiss on the cheek, and she just looked at me. She's like, "You can't do that. Why did you just do that?" We are having a fight. There's nothing more infuriating to an angry person than if you're happy. I'm just like, this is not going to affect my night's sleep. I'm going home to bed. I'm going to have a great day. But there are those things that are like sometimes you've just got to just step past it and go, you know what, you're on the same team. We've got to realise in our marriage and in our families we're on the same team and we need to know we're on the same team. We need to know our family's on the same team. When our kids are together, we're all on the same team. We're all moving forward. When it comes to our church and our life and our community here, we're all on the same team. We're all part of the same family. We all want to see the kingdom of heaven come to earth. But then there comes a time where we need to set our emotion aside and go, you know what, sometimes we don't understand what the other person's feeling. Sometimes we don't know. Or, or sometimes for us, we need to put our emotions aside and go, you know what, I... I I have a right to have emotions, but I just need to put them aside in order so that we can have relationship. And so sometimes we look back, we, and like Carolina said, we become self-aware of our own emotions and realize, you know what, maybe that emotion was wrong. For some of us, we need to actually go and apologize to our spouses. We need to go and apologize to our kids because we've had the wrong emotional and so as we do that, as our relationship, our kids become healthy as well. And then in turn, as we have a healthy relationship here, our church becomes healthy as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, there we go. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Yeah, that's awesome. Okay, let's talk non-negotiable. Like, what is, where do you draw the line? What is it? That's it. You don't, so I'm not just talking about uh, with you guys, like in your marriage, I'm talking about with your kids, with your friends, like what is that non-negotiable, you know, if this happens, draw the line there. Well, in our marriage, we um, decided very early on that we would never, ever sleep in separate beds. 
Um, Till last week, she told me <laughs> that she was moving downstairs. He started snoring. <laughs> I, think it's oh, I might just use that bed downstairs if you don't cut it out. No, we decided that I'm we ta- would... I'm taking notes over here, you know, so <laughs> snoring. A good elbow helps, Kate. Just I'm doing it all night. Stop it. Um, so, no, we... All jokes aside, we did decide that we wouldn't ever sleep in a separate bed. Um, unless one of, us, one of us has, like, the stomach bug and we don't want to catch it. But, you know, I'd heard... and I share. I'd counselled a lot of people who... <laughs> Uh, were breaking up marriages that were divorcing and I could often trace it back to they started there was that one night on the couch and I just was like I never ever even want to open the door a crack and so it forces us (laughs) to at least pretend to like each other at the end of the day Um, so that was that's actually a really practical non-negotiable that we have um, we will never sleep in separate beds um, out of that sense of disagreement or argument. Um, the other thing is we will never, ever use uh, names, negative names, labels like you're an idiot or you're stupid or we never actually use names in a derogatory way. So we'll use names like you're awesome and you're amazing, but we won't use names. Negative names... Um, so that's another one. Um, so two really practical, we will never do that. Um, another thing that we kind of, like Sam mentioned, is we just coined this term, this concept that we've got to always remember we're on the same team. Yeah. So when we're having a disagreement, and you know what? Disagreements are okay because you can do conflict in a healthy way. So it's not like you avoid it, you just do it in a healthy way. And so we realised that when we have a disagreement, we realise that we were like, we just look at each other and go, we actually want the same thing. We're just different personality types trying to achieve it in different ways. And when you actually realise that, you can almost laugh at yourself and laugh at the situation Because who really cares how we arrive at the final destination? We've actually agreed on what the destination is. We're both just trying to get there in a different way. And so we've realised that um, we just need to constantly remind each other and ourselves we're doing this together, like we're on the same team. So non-negotiables, they're just a couple of practical ones. And I'm sorry, they are very marriage-related, but did you have any other non-negotiables for relationships? I think um, a non-negotiable is um, <clears throat> definitely where are those relationships going? Are they beneficial to both parties? Yeah. They've got to have purpose. I believe every relationship has to have some sort of purpose. Yeah. So even with our, our marriage, we've got a purpose. With our kids, we've got a purpose. With our friends, we've got a purpose. Yeah. There's always a purpose around them. Yeah. They, they can't, like, you just can't float through life. Because if you attach yourself to the wrong relationship, it'll take you in the wrong direction. And this is what a lot of people don't realise is that friendships actually have a huge influence upon our life. They have a huge influence upon our life. So we need to be able to choose the right people. And so when it comes time where some people say, you know what, I I like to have friends outside the church. Well, you know what, I want to see where you are in about two or three years time. 
because you haven't made any family friends in the church. You know, you need to put yourself in the right place. So what, if you want what to go is the, right the purpose of having friends outside so, the church? So the purpose of having friends outside the church is that they'll be led to Christ. Yeah. Well, can I say that? Yes. That is the purpose of being a Christian, yeah. to make disciples, to actually be the light. And, and so that is why I have relationships outside of the church, because I care about the person so much that I want to see them come to a revelation of who Christ Jesus is. And so that's the purpose. The harvest is ripe. So that's the purpose. We have relationships outside. The purpose we have go to work is so what? So that we can earn, we can look after our family, but then also too so we can finance the kingdom as well. But then at the same time, while we're in that workplace to be a beacon of hope and light so that someone will come to a revelation of who Christ is, that's a non-negotiable. For us is that I like to make sure that I always know I can read my wife. I know what my wife needs. And then at that point in time, I have the knowledge to help her, (laughs) to stop what I'm doing and to care for my wife. The same with my kids is that every time they come home, there is always, they, they could be different stages of life. Right now, we've got one going into teenage years. You know, she needs to be looked after different <laughs> to, the one, to the one who's three years old. And so we need to engage that. Know where, read her, you know, know where she is, know her needs, acknowledge them and put in time for her in that place and that time. And so again, the non-negotiable is making sure you read the relationships around you so you know which relationship you need to put more time into as well. Um, so it's not really just living this balanced life as well. It's actually living a, say it, a priorities. What are your priorities? What needs attention? What do you need to keep and what do you need to input into? So again, non-negotiables are, they're very broad but at the same time, you need to acknowledge them and make sure you've got a check on what you need to do. That's good. Uh, just to, to wrap it up, if there was one thing that we could all take away today to improve or to work on with our relationships, what would it be? I'm just going to go back to honour. Yeah. I think if we honoured people as creation made in the image of God and and really really put ourselves second I think the world would change so I think if you walk out these doors and you honor your spouse and your children and your boss and your colleagues I think I think you'd see a lot shift you'd see the Holy the Holy Spirit loves honor and flows through honor and gives grace that way and I think so much would shift if we maintain that posture of honor I think through honour comes influence and leadership is that right there when you've built that trust, that honour and you start to put other people first then you can lead people and I I believe that as families, as fathers, as mothers, as people of influence and the church of who we're called to be is that we need to be able to lead and I, I believe this with all my heart is Really, without vision, the people perish. And sometimes we wonder why our families fall apart. Sometimes we wonder why our communities fall apart. Sometimes we wonder why different things happen is because of lack of leadership. And we see it in our nation right now that there is a lack of leadership. Really, you've got to 
bunch of guys up the top that don't even know how to lead. They all say the same thing, they all fall over and, and they can't stand for anything. Why? Because there's no leadership. But whenever there is a leader, whenever someone speaks up, whenever someone comes into play and can lead those around them, what happens is order comes, honour comes, respect comes, wholeness comes, peace comes. And so I believe that within a lot of families right now is that there is lack of leadership. Wow. Is that husbands need to lead their wives. Wives need to stand up and lead their families as well. It, for us, it's, it's we lead together. There's no separation. We, we both lead. There are some times where I need to listen to Carolina because she's the Holy Spirit in our relationship. <laughs> But there are other times where she goes, what do you want to do? And I have to make the decision. But then in that, it brings peace to the whole family. The whole family has direction. It has leadership. It has agreement. And then we can move forward. But I believe that with all my heart is that when honour is there, it builds room and makes room for influence. And if you have influence, it means you can lead. And so by men serving your family, wives serving your husband, and I don't mean that in a derogatory way. I just mean that in a loving way, in, a, in the way that Christ came and he died for each and every one of us, how he put himself on the cross so that he could make way for us. In that type of way, like it says in Ephesians, it talks about in Ephesians. Go home and read Ephesians. Go and read the book of Ephesians and, that, and that'll tell you about relationship. That'll tell you how you're supposed to walk, walk out your life, out your Christian life. But through that moment, if we can start to lead those around us, It'll bring stability, it'll bring peace, it'll bring love, it'll bring hope to humanity. And that's what we're called to do in our relationships is to just glorify God in every area of our life. Cool, thanks. Yeah, cool, cool. I think, uh, I think we've all probably learned something today. You guys get something out of this? Awesome, awesome. Uh, well, thanks for having us in your house. Thank you guys for having us. Guys, can we give these guys a round of applause? Anytime. Thanks, Dave. I'll stay in the lounge room. You know, today is, we've just been touching on love actually. And I believe this with all my heart is that it comes down to following the ways of Christ. If we're to be the influence that we're called to be as a church, if we're to bring change and hope to a community, we first must be the light. We must show the hope, the peace of the world. But the thing I love about it is that Christ showed us how to do that first. Is that He gave His life so that you and I could have life. He hung on a cross so that we could come out of darkness and into light, out of death and into life, so that we could walk a victorious life. And I know right now that we have a world that is hurting, that is dying, that has lack of leadership, that has lack of hope. And my question to you today, to each and every one of us, will we lead? Will we show the world what love actually is? Love is not love. Love is God. Love is God. He is love. He is love. And that's why He gave His Son 
so that you and I could have a relationship with him, so that we could draw closer to him, so that we could step into the very presence, into the very throne room of God. And we can look into his eyes and he can wash us, wash us with his peace, that he can wash us with his life. That's why. Today, I don't know everyone in this building. I don't know where you are with Christ, whether you have a relationship with God. But right now, I want to invite you. If you want a relationship with Jesus Christ, if you want wholeness, if you want life and life abundantly, if you want purpose, I want to include you in a prayer right now. And just so I know who I'm going to include in this prayer, I would love for you just to bow your heads and close your eyes. And this morning, if you've been listening, and any part of it, you're like, I I want to have a relationship. I want to have an insurance with my God or with God. I want to acknowledge Jesus Christ. Just so I know who I'm praying with right now, I'd love for you just to raise your hand. Thank you down the front. For some of you, you might have acknowledged Jesus Christ as your Lord and Saviour. You might be walking with God, but your relationship isn't that strong. I would love to pray with you as well this morning. Because our God is all about relationship. He's all about coming and being with you and I. If anyone else right now wants to be included in that prayer, just raise your hand. If you want to join the one. Father God, you see our hearts right now. You see our yearning that that we want to be in relationship with you. But just not any relationship. We want to be in right relationship with you. And Father God, as you, you said, believe upon Jesus Christ. As we believe upon Jesus Christ, as our Lord and Saviour, that He hung on a cross and that He rose again to do away with sin, the sin that separates us from Christ. Today, Father, as we believe upon Jesus Christ, we lay aside all of our wrongdoing and we step in to Your righteousness. We step into relationship with You, Jesus that intimate relationship to know what love actually is your love Spirit of God today for those that have made a decision for those that are maybe coming back to you Lord God it says that your Holy Spirit will come as a guarantee Lord God today I pray that you speak to us that your Holy Spirit would intertwine lives Lord, that it's not a moment decision, but God, that it's an eternal decision, an eternal relationship with you. In Jesus' mighty name, amen, amen. Come on, let's give a hand. For the rest of us, I would love to pray this morning. And if you made that decision for the first time, I would love for you to go out to our Yes Bar, just as you walk out and someone will meet you there. And just because this is a journey, this is an eternal decision. It's a journey. Be part of the family. But for the rest of us this morning, I would love to pray over us as a church. 
I'd love for us to stand right now. If you could just stand. And There's one thing I want to pray is that we have right relationships. But also too, that the harvest is right. That the world would look in on our relationships and we would lead them because of our relationships. Because our relationship would always be about honouring God. The relationship we have with our spouse, with our friends, with our family, with our community would always bring honour to God. And in turn, it would lead a community, it would lead a nation back to God. That's what I believe. That's why it's so important that we have right relationship. That's why it's so important that we have a right relationship with God, a right standing with God as well. So this morning, if you want to be part, how about we just lift our hands and just say, Father God, right now I just pray for our church. Right now, I pray for every relationship that is represented here, whether it be a marriage, whether it be just friends, Father, whether it be a community. Father, right now, I just pray over every single individual here. Father, I pray that You'll pour out Your peace upon their life. Lord God, they'll know how to have right relationships. Lord God, they'll know how to have a right relationship with You. Lord God, but also a right relationship with others. Lord God, that they'll bring glory to Your name. Lord God, as they start to honour those around them, Lord, that it will build influence in their life. Why? Because the harvest is right. Why? Because we need to see souls. We need to see your kingdom come to earth. Why? Because it is all about others. Lord, today, I thank you for this privilege. I thank you for the honour that we get to be part of the family of God. In Jesus' mighty name. Come on, let's give Him praise.